Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for this beautiful day. I thank you for the rain. I thank you for keeping us safe last night in the storms. And I just ask that you be with everyone who's trying to dry out, Lord. May they not be too miserable and may they still see that even through the rains, there are so many blessings, Lord, showers of blessings. And I thank you for those. We love you and we just surrender this time to you completely. Lord, help us to connect with you. In your name, amen. So this is my favorite presentation. This is absolutely my favorite presentation. And um, I want to start with um, a quote out of Education, page 120. It starts on page 119 and goes to page 120. And it's in your handout. And I just think it's absolutely amazing. It says, He alone who recognizes in nature his Father's handiwork, who in the richness and beauty of the earth reads the Father's handwriting, he alone learns from the things of nature their deepest lessons and receives their highest ministry. Only he can fully appreciate the significance of hail, hill and vale, river and sea, who looks upon them as an expression of the thought of God, a revelation of the Creator. And I don't know about you, but often we try to figure out what people are thinking, right? Like, oh man, I wish I really knew that what that person was thinking. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could know what God was thinking? And I think we can through creation. And I know that I have learned how to do it. It's taken me time, uh, years actually, but now when I go out, I honestly feel like I see God's handwriting. Like it's just super hard for me not to come up with a Bible verse when I go outside. It's super hard for me not to think of a hymn. It's super hard for me not to think of God. Like it's just, that sounds bad. I, I mean, of course, it's, I just want to, and it's just the way I think now because of the fact that I've just um, been taught by the Lord to see him through his nature, see him communicating with me. Uh, many illustrations from nature are used by the Bible writers. And as we observe the things of the natural world, we shall be enabled under the guiding of the Holy Spirit more fully to understand the lessons of God's word. And I love this. It is thus that nature becomes a key to the treasure house of the word. A key to the treasure house of the word. I've been talking to some of my pastor friends. I'm like, so... What do you think about, you know, starting with nature nuggets every morning at church? And what do you think about including nature applications in your sermons? What if we called them, you know, the key to the word? Or I don't know. I, have, I still have yet to coin a, a creative phrase for that. Um, but I just, I'm excited about that because I've been talking to some people and they're like, yeah, we should think about doing that in our churches. Um, starting, starting, you know, we have offering, we have prayer, we have the first hymn, and then after that, throw in a little nature nugget. It's not just for the children. You know, Pathfinders does nature nuggets and, and special spiritual retreats do nature nuggets. But Jesus always did nature nuggets. Why? Because every time a farmer or somebody was walking that heard Jesus' sermon, they, they instantly related it to something. And that is what I'm going to hope that at the end of the session you see that, is that God honestly longs to communicate with you. That's his deepest, earnest desire. And I don't know about you, but I think with all my heart that the reason people leave Jesus is because that communication gets severed. And they just feel like, I've been praying about this for years, or I've been talking to you, and you just aren't talking to me. I think that's like the biggest struggle for, for youth, for ourselves, is I've been talking to you, God, and you're not answering. Like my deepest desire... I don't feel like you're answering it or you're not even communicating with me. I don't understand. Do you talk to me? Do you not talk to me? And when I learned that he does want to communicate with me, which I'm going to show you, it's so cool. Um, it's just so encouraging. And it's just that there's nothing to fear when you know that God is going to communicate with you. Um, children should be encouraged to search out in nature the objects that illustrate Bible teachings and to trace in the Bible the similitudes drawn from nature. They should search out both in nature and in holy writ every object representing Christ and those also that he employed in illustrating truth. Thus they may learn to see him in tree and vine and lily and rose and sun and star. They may learn to hear his voice in the song of birds and the sighing of the trees and the rolling thunder and in the music of the sea, and in every object in nature will repeat to them his precious lessons. To those who thus acquaint themselves with Christ, the earth will never more be a lonely 
and desolate place. And what do we struggle with? Loneliness. Everybody, you know, I've been amazed how many people struggle with loneliness. Because I'm single, so usually like the single people are, right, the ones that are classified as lonely. But I've gone to different groups of people and, and stay-at-home moms are really lonely. And then the moms who have empty nesters are really lonely. And then those who... Um, uh, their kids go to college, they're really lonely because they're no longer running things. And then those who their kids get married, they're really lonely. And then those who retire are really lonely because no one's seen them anymore. Like loneliness is just very much a part of our lives if we choose to look at it that way. Like loneliness is just very much what we feel no matter what stage of life we're in if we choose to look at it that way. And so I just love that promise that the earth will never more be a lonely and desolate place. It will be their father's house filled with the presence of him once who dwelt among men. And just like, you know, Christ walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And there are times where I just feel like I just, I'm sitting there with my Bible and I'm, I'm by a pond and I'm going through my Bible, flipping through verses. And, you know, it all started because I saw something in the tree and that made me go on this verse, which led me to this verse, which led me to this verse. And honestly, I get to the point, I'm like, God, it's too much. My brain is so full. I can't take it. That is so amazing. Like, I just feel like I, I just can't explain it except it's just like I'm right there. We're, we're together. And he's just giving me this verse and this verse to encourage me just to encourage me, to say, I love you, I'm taking care of you, I'm with you, encouraging me. Um, and I just, I've just found it so absolutely incredible. So let's talk about a little bit how to do this. Um, so a sit spot, I kind of mentioned a sit spot. Uh, try to pick a place where um, you can sit regularly to commune with God. Now, for me, I don't just have a regular sit spot because I'm always traveling and I'm always on the move and my location of, of place is always changing. And so for me, there's, there's variety of places, but I still have that mentality of a sit spot where I sit and I just um, take time with my Bible to look at, at what's around me, all right? And uh, for your kids, I think I mentioned this before, you can put a, an EG white quote somewhere and they have to go out and journal about it. You can put a bio verse and they have to go out and journal about it. Um, or they can just draw, illustrate a picture. You yourself can do this. Um, but what I do is I simply go out there and sit, and I just talk with him for a long time, not just 15 minutes. I just talk to him for a long time, and I'm like, Lord, I don't even know where to start, but you know what I need. I don't even know what I need right now, but I know that I'm empty, and you can fill me, so please, Lord, just tell me what I need. And I just sit there talking to him. I talk about things that I'm worried about. You know, I just start talking to him about all this stuff, and then, and then I start opening my Bible after I've, I've just talked to him for a while. Um, but basically, I just want you to try to create a time to enjoy a habit of spending time with God in nature. A little thing for classrooms, and then we'll move on. But uh, I had this thing um, called Sabbath celebration. It's something that mission conference schools do. But the way that I did it was at the end of school day on Friday, like um, we had lunch, and then right after lunch, we had recess, and then we'd come back inside, and we would have Friday preparation. So we'd clean the classroom, we'd get ready for the Sabbath, we'd say... And then after we cleaned our classroom and cleaned our desks, uh, then we would sing the fourth commandment. Because, um, you know, there's the Ten Commandments in song. So um, we would just sing the fourth commandment. And then after we sing the fourth commandment, then I would do something to give them an idea of how to celebrate the Sabbath. Because often, sadly enough, Sabbath is the day that our children grow up feeling like it's the, the boring day, the list, the day that they can't do anything. It's the list of the I can'ts. So my point of Sabbath celebration was just to give them lots of ideas of what they could do on, on the Sabbath. And I call it Sabbath celebration because I feel like the Sabbath is such a celebration. Like, I long for the Sabbath. And I know they say that that's because we're tired and burnt out during the week, and as we get older, we long for it. But I don't think it what, it doesn't matter what age. I think that we can teach them that you don't have to be burnt out in the week to enjoy the Sabbath. <laughs> There's truly a blessing to be had on the Sabbath. Uh, I gave you that idea about the clear sticky sheets on both sides. 
um, to put fun things on themselves as they go for the hike. But I wanted to talk about this. So I told you that I would um, have my kids, you know, go out in nature and write. But what I really did with these books is I called them Jesus journals. And um, they had weekly memory verses. And so on Monday, they'd copy their memory verse here. And then on Friday, they'd go out in nature and draw a picture of that Bible verse. So um, I was hoping that that would create some kind of connection with that Bible verse and nature. And sometimes they didn't draw anything to do with nature, but they were outside with their Jesus journals drawing a picture about the Bible verse. And so I, feel like, I felt like if I prayed about it, the Holy Spirit would help them connect the connections they needed to make. Um, also, we would just go outside with our Jesus journals on Sabbath celebration. I'd just say, you know, go spend time with Jesus by yourself. And these are K through two. And they had no problem spending 15 minutes plus sitting quietly journaling with Jesus. And who knows what was going through their precious little hearts. I have no idea, you know, but I'm sure amazing thoughts. I'm sure they really were communing with Jesus. And that is just very beyond exciting to me. All right, so um, this verse has been used. It's in Romans 1.20. And it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And I just love that verse because to me it states so clearly that we can understand things about God that we really can't understand otherwise. Um, with nature, and that there are so many incredible things to be seen in nature. So here we go. All right. Um, I started this, I think, six or seven years ago. I had read this book by Sally Stribe. Have you, has anybody ever heard of Sally Stribe? So she has this book called The Heart Mender. And if you're a woman, I definitely suggest that you go pick up The Heart Mender. It's an amazing book. Um, I saw two or three of them in the, in the um, secondhand book section in the ABC up here. Um, for really inexpensive, or you can get them on Amazon. I just saw them on Amazon for $5. The Heartmender. It's an amazing book. And I think, honestly, by reading that book, it was what inspired me to, to take nature to another step. And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Joshua 4. So, Joshua 4. And this is the story about when Joshua crosses the Jordan, right? How many people know that story of when Joshua crosses the Jordan? It's an amazing story, right? We talk about that story. We love that story. It's so incredible because the river, the river crosses and they cross it. But that's where we stop the story, right? Does anybody know what happens after that story? Joshua. Yeah, after Joshua crosses with, with Israel, what happens immediately after that story happens? Something to do with exactly what just happened. Okay. Exactly, exactly, all right? So he commands them to take 12 stones, and this is what I love. He commands them to take 12 stones and set up a memorial. So in verse chapter 4, verse 6, it says this, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? And it's incredible to me because it's, it's a memorial that constantly reminds not only the parents who went through it, but the children of the parents. And how much do we long for our children to have the faith that we have, or just to have their own faith, I should say, really, right? And so, you know, maybe there's something you can set up in your house. That way, when your children come through your house or through your classroom, they say, what, what does this mean? And you can't help but tell them about Jesus. And that is what I'm going to show you out in nature, that that's exactly what Jesus wants us to say. What does this mean to you? And you'll see that he longs to say, this means this, this means that. And so um, it's just really important that you learn to set up memorials because I think that, you know, we hear that quote, we have nothing to fear for the future except how we forget God has led us in the past. 
And we, we, we say that quote quite loosely and we're like, yes, I remember all the things that God has done for me. But the truth is we really don't. Like there are little things that God is doing for you on a constant basis that you're forgetting and I'm forgetting. So this is what I've started doing. Whenever something little happens or big happens where I know that God is working in my life, I find a Bible promise that is proved through that story. Does that make sense? So um, a really simple one would be like on a mission trip, um, I was trying to get somewhere and it was a chaos thing and I got stuck in China for 24 hours and it was a scariest thing of my life. And the promise is in the Bible that says, you know, if we um, ask anything in Jesus' name, then he will hear it and he will answer it, Right. Next to that Bible verse, I wrote Myanmar, China. Does that make sense? Because I eventually got to my destination. And so every time I read that promise now, I think of that story in my life where I was struggling and praying, Lord, am I going to be stuck in China for the rest of my life? Am I ever going to get out of China? It was Christmas Day and I was trapped in China. <laughs> and I just, and that was the, one of the scariest experiences of my life. But there are so many places in my Bible that say Myanmar next to them. So many, because I just kept searching the Bible for promises that God could make come true through that experience. So whenever you're facing different experiences and something comes true, find a Bible promise that is saying that and write that situation next to it. So now this Bible is not just my Bible. It's my life. It really seriously is my life, and it's living and powerful and a two-edged sword because it's alive in my life. When I flip through here, there's all sorts of little words written next to it about, like, for this one, for example, um, is in Psalms 3. It says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. And that was because I was super discouraged on an ultimate workout. It was not going good with my leadership, and I was struggling connecting. And um, I just felt like, Lord, I need a shield because I was getting arts or darts thrown at me, I felt like, in arrows. And I would go down and sleep at nighttime, and I would just pray myself to sleep because I was so discouraged. And I just claimed that promise. And now every time I flip through my Bible, I would totally forget Psalm 3. You know what I'm saying? Because there's, there's lots of times that we, we find little promises and little Psalms and little Proverbs and little Bible verses that we think are cool, but we don't write down the time that it related to us. And the Bible is constantly relating to us if we relate it. So anytime you find a cool promise, write it down in your Bible. And if you don't want to write in your Bible, I respect that, get a journal and write down it because you're going to be absolutely flabbergasted with how many promises mean the world to you now. Like people, um, I go through my Bible and a sermon is being preached by another pastor and he, he, he does this verse and it's not just a verse I'm turning to. I'm like, yeah, that verse came true in my life. You know, that verse didn't just come true in Joshua, be strong and courageous. That was in Mexico when we were failing on our, building our church because we couldn't get through the rock and we were praying, Lord, we have to build this church. We want to build this church. And our, our leader kept saying, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, like 110 degrees out. I don't have any more strength left, you know, and that verse just kept being said. And I now wrote it down in Mexico, you know, in Mexico. And I, I relate it to that verse. And that's what's just so amazing to me is that this Bible is honestly alive in my life because I wrote things down. Um, and so there's two wonderful quotes that I absolutely love in Steps to Christ. And they're, the first one is, if you believe the promise, God supplies the fact. But honestly, guys, we get stuck on, on Jeremiah 29, 11. We get stuck on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we, we claim those as all the promises, but there's so many more promises. Like, I've been blown away how many more promises there are. But we just get stuck on those ones, and those are awesome ones. Believe me, I have lots of things written down next to those ones. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's like a huge list of all the times that promise has come true in my life. But there's, there's many more. There's so many more. And if, if we don't know the promises, how can God supply the fact? Because we're not claiming other promises that could be claimed. 
if that makes sense. You know, there's that, that story of, of how there's all those blessings up in heaven, all those boxes, right? And, and a person goes up there and he says, what are all these? And these are all the blessings that I never got to give you because you never asked. I don't know if you've ever heard that little story. Um, but I do believe that there's tons of blessings that the Lord longs to pour on us, but we're not asking. But it's also because we're not spending time to know what to ask. Uh, the other one I really love in Steps to Christ is, I believe it, it is so, not because I feel it. And I absolutely love that one because I'm a girl and I feel all sorts of things. <laughs> I, I believe it, it is so, not because I feel it, but because God has promised. So when I'm struggling with something, like I told you before, if we just go back to where God has led us, then we can easily see that he's led us before, he'll take care of this situation. No matter how big or different it is, he's led me before, he'll lead me again. I believe the promise, I don't feel it, <laughs> but I believe it because I've, I've seen it come true in my life. And so God has promised and it will come true. Maybe not always exactly to the way that I think it will come true, but it will come better than I imagine because he knows what is best for me. All right, so we have thunder above us or just the ABC above us? All right, so um, what I do is um, I started this thing. The, the first way I did it was that I, I decided that every day when I woke up, I was going to look for something really awesome in nature and just look for something that I thought was really cool in nature. So as I was driving along, I would look out the car windows. I'd spend the afternoon. I'd spend the evenings, whatever. I would just look for something really cool in nature. And then I'd come back home, and I'd use my concordance to try to find a Bible promise about it. All right. So let's just say I thought the birds were really pretty that day. Or one time there was a red sky and I was like, whoa, that red sky is really pretty. You know, I would just try to like look for something that I thought was really awesome in nature every day. And I'd write it down. And then when I came home, I'd, I'd use my Bible concordance to try to find if there was a promise about that in nature. That's where it started. OK, it got deeper later on, but that's where it started with me. So the first one was red. I mean, not the first one I ever did, but the first one I want to show you was red. And so I turned, I found my concordance red, and I found verses Matthew 16, chap, Matthew chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. And it says, he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. And I don't know about you, but I grew up with the saying, um, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. I had no idea that that was in the Bible. Like, I was completely shocked when I found it. I was like, what? I thought that was just a little silly saying my grandma says. Like, I did not know that that was in the Bible. And so my takeaway from that simply was the fact that there is, you know, I was raised an Adventist. There is so much more in the Bible that I have been not finding. Like, I thought I knew everything. Hypocrite, you don't know anything. Like, this is exactly talking to me. Like, you think you know your Bible, but you don't, you're missing so much more. And this was early on that I found this verse. And I just thought, I thought it was so incredible because, and I just wrote down, there's so much more. Like, because there is so much more. And I know it sounds maybe funny to you, but to me, it was like an eye-opening experience because it was just red. I started with red. <laughs> it wasn't even that crazy of a deep Bible study. I just started with red. And I said, Really, this saying's in the Bible? <laughs> like, wow, that's so cool. So maybe you all knew that was in there, but I thought it was cool. All right, so another one that I know we know, we all know, but I think that it becomes even more powerful. Matthew 6, 26. So often, you know, we hear birds, and my go-to one when I couldn't find anything was birds. Um, but actually, there was one time in my life that I was really struggling with what to do with my life, and 
where God wanted me, and I was in college down in Texas, so I drove to a state park by myself, and I was like, I'm just going to spend time with God in nature and try to find. This was before I read the book. This was just me trying to find, find, find what God wanted me to do with my life. You know, in college, it's just, there's so many options, and it's so intimidating. What does God want me to do with my life? So I found the word birds, and I'm sure you've heard this verse, Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they. And then I skip down to verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I said, you know what? I can handle that, right? I can handle that. Every time I see a bird, sufficient is the day. <laughs> sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Do not worry. So honestly, I'm sure many maybe already do this, but every time I see a bird, I honestly can't help but say that verse. Like, it's just impossible for me. When I see a bird flying in the sky and I'm going on a hike or going on a walk and I see a bird up in the sky, I always say, what do I have to worry about? The Lord takes care of them. He helps them survive. Why do I have to be afraid? Because there's nothing to worry about. Um, so that's a supernatural one. Another one is in Isaiah 66, verse 12. This one was so my favorite ever. This is, okay, I probably say that a lot, but <laughs> this one really is like one of my top favorites. All right, so once again, I was at school in Texas trying to find, find God and find peace and find out what he wanted me to do with my life because I felt like I was at this huge crossroads. Now in Texas, you know, it's kind of like a desert. It's kind of dry. And I was walking along and I was just kind of walking and I have this habit of getting lost. <laughs> and I was like, man, Lord, what if I get lost out here? Nobody even knows I'm out here. Nobody else goes to the state park. I'm way away from the college. So I was just walking along and all of a sudden I came to a river. And I was like, really, a river? We're like, that's cool. I wonder where I am, that there's actually a river. And so I got to this river, and I sat down with my Bible, and I looked up in my concordance river. And this verse, um, I'll just read part of it to you. It's Isaiah 66, 12. Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. I was talking to Jerusalem, but how many times does it say her in the Bible? And I promise you, I really honestly said, that's just Jesus talking to me right now. Okay, I'm on holy ground. Like, Jesus said, I will extend peace to her like a river. I didn't have any answers. I didn't have any answers, but I knew that the Lord had promised to extend me peace. And I, every time I come to a river, every time I ever come to a river, I say, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. And you know how many rivers I come to? Do you know how many times I long for peace? You know how many times I'm still struggling? What did God want me to do with my life? Why is this happening to me? This doesn't make sense to me. You know, and that's a kid's song. I've got peace like a river. We, we you know, we sing that. Ha ha, it's fun. But no, I, I have peace. I go to the river and I have peace because I think of a Bible promise. And if God, if, um, if you believe the promise, God supplies, supplies the facts. I don't feel peace at that moment. My, my, I have no answers answered, uh, questions answered, but I believe the promise. God supplies the fact. Awesome. All right. Another thing that happened in that same day was waterfalls. So at, growing up as a kid, my mother is obsessed with waterfalls. <laughs> we are on a family vacation traveling out west, and there's a waterfall all of a sudden along the side of the road. My mother pulls over and says, guys, let's go hike. So we go and hike to the top of the waterfall. Um, another time, you know, we, we go to Yellowstone National Park, and you can see, you know, the falls. My mom has to go to every view of the falls. So we hike all the way to this view. Looks the same, Mom, as this view. <laughs> Looks the same as this view. Like, we go to all four, because she must see all four views of the waterfalls, and we must all stand in front of them and take a picture and smile in front of each view of the waterfall. That's just my dear mother that I dearly love. And growing up, and one time we hiked 11 miles 
to see a waterfall. Like, I'm telling you, like, she loved waterfalls. And I didn't, well, I mean, it was fun once I got to play in it. You know, every kid likes to play in the waterfall. But the, the, the picture of hiking to waterfalls was not my favorite thing to do in the world. And in fact, we have a picture where I just sat down on the ground and I said, I quit, Mom, I quit. And I stuck out my tongue, I'm against the rock, and my dad, no, I didn't stick out my tongue. I sat down on the rock, and my dad sits down next to me, he sticks his tongue out, and that's what's in the picture. Because I'm absolutely done, and my father's like, I'm done too. But he wasn't really, he was just trying to encourage me. So waterfalls have always meant something to me just because my family loves them so much. So here I am. I found that verse about the river. And then this is where I try, this is where I'm going to show you that I kind of try to take it deeper. Because waterfall, the word waterfall is not necessarily a lot in the Bible. Okay. And so I'm sitting there. I'm next to the river. And I was like, this is so awesome. I'm going to follow the river. So I start hiking next to the river. And all of a sudden, I come to a waterfall, a waterfall in Texas. And I said, no way, Lord, like, what does this mean? Because my family has always loved waterfalls. And I was like, I wonder if I can learn something about God through a waterfall. So I just start thinking about waterfall. What could that teach me about God? And I thought about, like, how, you know, you're thirsty. And I I don't know. I, I was just trying to make connections. And I honestly don't remember exactly how God brought me. But it was found, I found it in John 7. And this was so cool to me. John 7, 37 through 38. And it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me in the scripture has said, Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So as you can see, it wasn't because I used concordance that I found waterfalls. Um, I just started praying, and because I was thirsty, I wasn't thirsty, but I was thinking about thirst, and that's how it led me to those verses. And this is what I think now every time I come to a waterfall. So have you guys been to waterfalls? Some of them are little, some of them are big, right? But it doesn't matter how big or little the waterfall is. Have you noticed that there's always a constant drip over it, right? Even like the littlest waterfall, you try to follow the droplets, and there's an amazing amount of water going over a waterfall no matter what. And so every time I come to a waterfall, this is what I think of. I think of the fact that God says, you're thirsty, I want to tell you so much about me. I want to pour my love on you. I want to talk to you. I want to communicate with you. I want to be, because if you go stand under a waterfall, even if it's not that big, it's still pretty powerful pounding on you. And then the big ones are super powerful. So there's different times in my life where where God only might be communicating a little bit to me. And there's other times where he's like, here, I want you to know me more. I want you to know me more. But every time I come to a waterfall, I'm always like, if you're thirsty, that's like a waterfall. He's not like, oh, here's just a little bit of me. I just want you to know me a little bit. I just want you to understand me a little bit. I just want you to get to know me a little bit. No, he's like, I want you to know me. I want you to understand and spend time with me. I want you to have a relationship with me. And out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. But first, I'm going to flow rivers of living water into your heart. And I just find that so encouraging. Like every time I go to a waterfall, I'm like, oh, Lord, you want, like I go stand under it. And I'm like, oh, you want me to be thirsty. You want me to be full. You don't want me to be thirsty. You want me to be full. Um, and I just absolutely, I love that analogy. And I know that one, I can't really tell you how I got to that verse exactly, except it was by the Lord. So it's not always going to be a concordance that helps you find a promise to relate it to nature. It's, it's honestly what you're going through at that moment, if that makes sense. What you're, what you're needing is what God helps you to relate it to nature. So I'm not trying to tell you that everything in nature stands for something else, if that makes sense. It's like nature can identify with the feelings that you're struggling to identify with, and then, it, and then God shows you the promises through nature. All right, so another one is in Psalm 61. 
Psalm 61, and this one was about mountains. Um, and I was um, <laughs> supposed, to, supposed to fly to the Dominican Republic to uh, get ready for Ultimate Workout 26. I was one of the leaders, and I'm supposed to go there to get a site visit and site development to get going for the mission trip, and I didn't have my passport. <laughs> I, had, I had flown from Michigan to Utah to, to uh, hang out with a friend, and I had somehow, in all the travels, left my passport behind. <laughs> And my parents frantically dug through my closet. They dug through everything. Like, they both came home from work. My mom's a teacher. My dad had a job. They both came home from work to look for the passport. Nobody could find the passport. And I'm in Utah saying, how am I going to tell my leaders that I'm going to be a leader and I don't have my passport? And on top of that, the year before, when I was accidentally young adult leader, was because the other girl lost her passport. And I was on the other side where I heard them say, how could you be a leader and lose your passport? You know, like, I heard all the things like, why could this girl do that? How could she be so foolish? You know, they were kind of upset at her naturally. It's not really good to lose your passport. And I'm like, now I get to be the one to call and say, you know, um, I lost my passport. <laughs> I don't have any idea where it is. And I did call them and they said, well, you know, we can postpone the ticket for a day and hopefully you can find it. A miracle, my parents found it in the bottom of my closet and over FedExed it to me. That was another scary thing. They FedExed it to me. They had bought the plane ticket because I said, okay, they found it. It's supposed to arrive in FedEx on this day. So literally, we drove to the airport. We stopped at the FedEx place first before going to the airport, and my flight left like an hour after it arrived at FedEx. So I'm going to FedEx like shaking, shaking, shaking. I go up to FedEx like, do you have a package for Angela Boothby? And they're like, yep. He goes like, oh, is it in here? You know, there's the passport. It's gold. I'm going to Dominican Republic. But um, one of the verses that I found, so I was surrounded by mountains and in Utah because I was visiting Daystar um, Academy. And there was all around me mountains. And so I looked up in my concordance, and I, I found the, the word mountains. And I looked through all the verses, and I go through all the verses that have that word in it. And I keep looking until there's a promise that fits that situation. Because sometimes there's weird ones about mountains or birds or rocks or whatever I'm looking at. But I keep looking until I find one that relates. And sometimes that one relates to something else, or maybe the verse next to it, and actually not that specific verse, if that makes sense. But it gets me to an area of reading, and then I just read around it. I read the context, I read the chapter, until I just see if it fits whatever that I am struggling with, or just what the Lord's like, this is what you need today. And so for the mountains, I love this verse. It says, Hear my cry, O Lord, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, and boy was I overwhelmed, <laughs> lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Now every time I come to a mountain, every time there's this weird rock formation, I can't help but think of, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. I just can't help it. Like, it's just the verse that comes in my head because it was such an emotional experience. And do not tell me that I'm the only one in this room that goes through emotional experiences, right? Like, our life is permeated with emotional experiences. And anytime they say we can relate a fact to an emotion, we remember it, right? So we know that in our classrooms and in our homes. Why don't we apply that to the Bible, right? And now that verse just means so much to me. Anytime I see a rock formation, I go through that whole experience and then the miracle of that mission trip. And I can just go on and on about the incredible stories that happen in Dominican Republic, about the, the mishaps that happen all along the way, the discouragement that I share with that other verse. Like there was an absolutely incredible journey all wrapped up because I say, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And all of a sudden, the whole experience has come back. And I know that God is working just as alive in your life as he's working in mine. I'm not unique or special, but I'm just related to the Bible promises and I'm remembering them. And then it's just becoming so alive and incredible that I honestly, this earth is not a lonely and desolate place because <laughs> there's a rock that is higher than I. I don't have to worry because he takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of me. You know, I just go outside and I'm at peace. 
because I'm next to a river and God promises to extend peace to me like a river. Do you see? Like, it's just impossible not to have them come to your mind. It's just awesome. All right. So another one um, that I'm going to show you, I'm going to skip down to moon really quick, is it's in Psalm 72, 7. And this is where I have read the whole chapter in context that um, helps to explain like this one. All right. So I was flying somewhere and uh, I have this issue where the grass is always greener on the other side. And so I get on the plane and I, um, for some reason it was a really empty plane. I don't remember why. And I was tired or I don't remember what was going on in my life at that exact moment. But I get on the plane and I can pick which side I want to sit on the plane. And I'm like, ooh, if I sit on that side, maybe I could watch the sun set. But if I sit on that side, maybe I'll watch the sunset. And so I was trying to figure out which side of the plane to sit on because I wanted like the best view of the sky. I sat on the wrong side. <laughs> I watched the sunset across six other people like this, and I was really upset. And there was a moon outside mine. I was like, well, that's cool. I always see the moon. I want the sunset. Like, that's what I was thinking about on this plane ride. So I was like, well, Lord, it's a moon today. I guess we're going with the moon. So I looked up in my concordance moon, and it brought me to Psalm 72. And in Psalm 72, 7, it says, In his days the righteous shall flourish in an abundance of peace until the moon is no more. Now, I'm sure there's a whole lot more to that verse and a whole lot more to that verse that's saying. But for me, I said, once again, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. Now, when I see the moon, I say, well, until the moon is no more, I will have peace. And I'm not sure exactly if that's exactly what the verse is saying in that context. But I know the Lord wants me to have peace, right? I'm not trying to put things that aren't there, but I know that there's promises that he's promised me to have, like the fruit of the, whole, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Those are things that he's promised. And so maybe that's not exactly what that verse is talking about, because um, I'm sure this is like a prophecy until the moon is no more. Um, but I do believe that he wants me to have peace. That is something that I do know. And so when I see the moon, to me, when there's no moon, that doesn't mean he doesn't want me to have peace. But when I see the moon, it's a reminder to me that he wants me to have peace, if that makes sense. But I decided, you know, I'm just going to read this entire chapter because I'm sure there's more here. So I read the entire chapter, and there's just some really cool things in here. In Psalm 72, verse 3, it says, The mountains will bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. And... Um, he will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. And one of my biggest struggles in life is I have a very tender heart that I absolutely despise sometimes because I get really teary-eyed really quickly and I get really angry when I know people are hurting and I really have a hard time with suffering. Like, I cry every time I leave a mission trip. Like, every time. Because those little kids, I'm like, all I could do is one week of VBS. Like, what does that really matter? Like, I just get really emotional and I get really angry because I'm like, what about, like, those kids who are being abused, like, Lord, how do they honestly have a chance? And I just, like, this is one of my biggest struggles with God. I'm like, God, I know you love me. Like, I know you love them too, but I've been given so much. I have incredible parents. I have an incredible upbringing. I got to go to incredible Adventist schools. I have an incredible family support, and I have incredible friends and incredible opportunities. What about him? Like, he has no opportunities, and he has a terrible life situation, and she has been through way more things than I'm ever going to experience in my life. And honestly, it makes me doubt that God cares in general because it's so something that is just so, like, it's just a huge struggle for me. It's like one of my biggest struggles with God is like, do you really reach out to everybody? Like, honestly, like, I know you've reached out to me, but how about her? Like, really? Did she really get anything? And I just love this because it says, and he will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. So you see, I didn't even know that's not what I was looking for when I, and when I was reading that chapter, that verse. But whenever I get really discouraged and I hear stories and horror stories and I'm over on mission trips and I'm feeling like, Lord, do you love these kids? 
I go back to that promise and I say, he will bring justice to the poor of the people. He will save the children of the needy. He will save the children of the needy. I don't feel it at that moment. I don't see it, but I believe it. It is so not because I feel it, but because God has promised. And that is the life of the Lord is honestly not seeing it, not feeling it, but believing it because he's promised and he's promised. He's promised over and over and over. And I also love the fact that it says the mountains will bring peace (laughs) to the people right above the verse and that the little hills by righteousness. And I like how they said the little hills because to me that was a little note to myself. I wrote next to it, notice the little things in life because it says the mountains and then it says little hills. So maybe I don't have mountains in Michigan, but there are many other things that I can have to be thankful for. Instead of being like, oh, we don't have mountains here. Michigan's ugly. Like sometimes people are like, oh, I don't like Michigan. There's no, no mountains here. Well, notice the little hills. You know, there's, there's an amazing promise in that too. Um, and then skip over to verse 12 was another one. It says, for he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him who has no helper. I love that because there are so many people who I feel have no helper. So once again, I wrote that as a promise to claim when I'm questioning. And I, that's what I wrote next to it. Just a promise to claim when I'm questioning that he will also help him who has no helper. He will spare the poor and needy and will save the souls of the needy. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence and precious shall be their blood in his sight. I love that promise. I love it. And I found it all because it began with me looking for the moon. So I, I just, I just got into my word. If nothing else, nature got me into my word to look at different places I'd never looked. It wasn't, I'm not trying to give you a formula like this equals this. It's just when you're spending time in nature, it's kind of like there's that promise in Ellen White talking about there's like a double blessing on the Sabbath. I really think there's like a double blessing in nature. It's not so much that you're going to sit there and get this grass blade equals this. It's just you're going to be in his house, in his presence, and he's going to reveal himself to you. Um, he, he doesn't want to be a secret. And I just, I love that because to me, that's like my biggest struggle. I'm like, God, talk to me <laughs> like right in the sky. Go ye therefore. Okay, I'll go walk. You know, like just tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Um, but it's, it's not so much the direct big things that he says, go and do this. It's just, I'm here for you. I want to give you peace. I love you. I'm going to answer your questions in time. I am, you know, and some questions aren't going to be answered there, but there are many questions that are going to be answered along the way. All right. Another one that is amazing is first Corinthians 13, 12. So, um, I, you know, on mission ships, you're almost always by an ocean. And I, I still don't have, I still don't have a connection with waves because I don't know, I sit there and, you know, waves are always very peaceful, right? You like to sit next to an ocean or the Lake Michigan and waves are always peaceful, but I don't have really a, the Lord hasn't really given me like a connection with waves because I'm like, waves are cool and then they crash. (laughs) My life is cool and it crashes. Nope, nope, don't like that one. Like, (laughs) you know, like waves hasn't gone very far with me. So I was sitting at the ocean trying to still get waves and I was like looking up waves and I found something like in the depths you are and I was like, nope, like, I don't know. Like I still haven't found a great verse that I can put next to waves. So if you think of an awesome one, I'd love to hear it. Um, But it's something that's so personal that I don't always think everyone gets my connection. Sometimes maybe they look at me like I'm crazy, but to me, they're special. But uh, so I was at the ocean and I was walking along and the waves are crashing and the sun was setting. And you know, when the sun sets and you're at the ocean, what, what happens with the ocean in the sky? There's a reflection and it's gorgeous, right? Um, is, the, is the reflection in the ocean as beautiful as a reflection in the sky? 
the reflection in the sky is like much more brighter, right? I mean, the reflection in the ocean is, is gorgeous, but it's not as real as the real thing. Now, the, the contrast is gorgeous and it's wonderful to compare. But so I was, I was like, reflection, huh? I can, I can maybe take this ocean analogy with reflection. So I looked up reflection in my concordance and I found 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And actually, you know what? I didn't find the word reflection. I started thinking about what makes reflection. So first I tried reflection, that didn't get me anywhere. So you have to keep trying different words. You know, different words that relate. Think about a thesaurus and what relates to what you're feeling and what you're seeing and what you're thinking. And so I was like, oh, a mirror reflects. So I went to 1 Corinthians 13, 12, and it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. And so I was like, you know, Lord, I... I think that if I just stare at the ocean, I'm like, oh, that's so gorgeous, and it, it is. But if I never look up, man, I'm missing out, you know? And I think that this is beautiful, but there is so much more beautiful. So every time I see a reflection, every time I see a reflection, I think of the fact that, you know, if it's in a pond or if it's in a lake, I'm like, yeah, you can get all caught up with the reflection, but don't forget to look up at the real thing, you know? And right now you think it's, it's good, and we, we think that this earth is good, but you, it's so dim compared to what is out there. And then I found this quote um, because I was reading Steps to Christ, one of my absolute favorite books. If you haven't read it, it's something you should read every year. It's just one of my absolute favorite books. And I found this, this verse. Um, I, I didn't write down the page number, and I always get confused if it's chapter 12 or chapter 13, but I was reading it because I was, you know, once again, struggling. Daily struggles, right? <laughs> They're real. <laughs> and um, I was trying to decide what to do, and my whole life, my life to me had just crashed because I thought I was going to go to this school and then all of a sudden that opportunity dropped and I didn't know where I was teaching. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd randomly been offered another job offer out of the blue and I was sitting there at that school being like, this doesn't feel right. Like, this doesn't feel right. I was supposed to go here. My life was designed. I knew what I was going to, what was going to happen. Finally, I, X, Y, and Z all fits all together. That completely fell through and now I'm at this random school that I don't have any peace about. <laughs> like, what is going on? So I was reading the steps to Christ and I found this amazing quote that I wrote right next to the Bible verse. And it says, we may rejoice that all which has perplexed us in the providence of God will then be made plain. Things hard to be understood will then find an explanation. Where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken purposes, we will see the most beautiful and perfect harmony. Isn't that awesome? And then right next to it in parentheses was 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And now I just can't help when I go to an ocean and it's crashing. And it's, hey, there we go. I just got it. It's crashing and it's breaking. And I feel like I'm crashing and I'm breaking. And like my life is just going like an ocean where it goes and it's like up and rolling and it's not always making sense to me. I finally have one. <laughs> Why didn't I ever think of this before? <laughs> you know, like an ocean's always coming and it's always crashing. It's always breaking. And my life feels like it's breaking. But... The Lord has promised that we may rejoice that all which has perplexed us in the mind and the providence of God will then be made plain. Things hard to be understand will find an explanation. Where our finite minds discover only confusion and broken purposes, we shall see the most beautiful and perfect harmony. That's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. That's, 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 that's alive in my life. That's, that's incredible. That's so cool. Yeah, so I don't know if, I, if, if, if I'm making a lot of sense. I just feel like it's something that you just have to start doing by yourself to understand, and um, nature in of itself is no God, but it's the Creator's handwriting. He's the one that is seen through it. Um, okay, one of the most recent ones might be kind of a funny one. <laughs> My mother doesn't like it when I say this one, but I call it party and death, <laughs> okay? I know, kind of sounds not fun, but it is. So I heard a sermon, um, I was watching a sermon on, I think I was on YouTube, um, 
And he was talking about Lazarus. And he was saying that if, um, now let me, let me get this straight. So he was saying that if, if Mary and Martha had known that what was going to happen with Lazarus, if they would have known that he was going to be raised from the dead, when he was sick, what would they have been doing? They've been throwing a party. Like, just you wait to see what's going to happen. This is going to be so cool. Yeah, you're sick, little brother, but you know it's okay. Like, or big brother, you know, whatever. Brother, you're sick. Because, I'm sorry, you feel miserable, but this is going to be so cool. Like, you know, if they would have known that he was going to raise from the dead, tell me, would they have not been like, this is the most exciting thing in my life. This is the most exciting thing I'm ever going to experience. So I thought that was a really awesome point. And it was something I was thinking about throughout the week. And he also made the point, he's like, you do know the end. You do know the end. You know that Jesus is crazy about you. You know through world history and every bit of history that Jesus is doing everything he can to seek after those that he loves. Right? You do know the end. You do know that he's crazy about you. You do know that his plan is better for you. And you can go through all the promises. You do know that... Um, Jeremiah 29, 11. You do know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? You do know the end. So when the struggles, should I be having more of a, of a party-like joyful experience? Like, hey, wait till you see what God's going to bring out of this trial. Wait till you see the, the gold that's going to become out of this. Like, how many of us look at trials and say, just wait till you see how God's going to turn this one around? I don't think so. That's not the natural thing. Like, Lord, why am I going through this? This is a really long process. I like to get to the end of destination, right? But this is the story. And wait till we see what God is going to get out of that story. So I was wrestling with my question. You know, I'd, I'd watched that sermon. I thought that was really powerful in my life. I was you know, struggling with something that just never seemed to be answered in my life. And I was, um, I'd gone to visit some friends. And they said, why don't you just go spend some time with God? I, you know, I, I work at a very busy life. I work at the Borean Academy. I never have really a lot of downtime. They're like, just, just go. So I went up to the pond, and I sat in the pond, and I just sat there, and I said, Lord, I don't even know what I need. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just, I, I'm content with my life for the most part. I mean, there's this one thing that I'm missing, but I'm, I'm content. I love my job, but I, I, I don't know. I'm just going to sit here. And so I'm like sitting there, and it's fall. And all of a sudden, the wind blows, and the leaves fall from the trees. And do you love that sight? I think it's so pretty. I just think it, it's just so beautiful. And so I'm just looking at it, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. I wonder what I could learn about Jesus through falling leaves. So I'm just sitting there, and I'm seriously up there for like over an hour. And I finally made the connection, all right? Leaves are beautiful in the, in the fall, right? They're gorgeous. They're God's confetti. All right? It's God's party. But the thing is, the tree is kind of dying, or it looks like it's dying, right? And the tree has to lose its leaves, or the tree will die, actually, <laughs> um, because it will freeze to death if it doesn't lose its leaves. So I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, you know what? That's God's confetti. So when I'm going through a trial, and I see the leaves blow off the trees, that's God's confetti. And if, if I don't go through this trial, then I'm going to die, because I need this trial. God only lets me to go through what he can use to refine in my character, right? He only puts me through what there's an end-time goal for. You know, he only allows things to happen that, there, that can have a point out of it. I'm not saying that everything happens for a reason. Please do not take that. I do not think that everything happens for a reason. But I think that in everything, God can bring out something good, right? So through this, God is going to bring out something fantastic. 
That doesn't mean that he planned for this situation to happen to me. You know, so that when something bad, I'm like, yeah, party. No, the devil is very much alive in this world and he is making things happen. But God can turn that terrible thing into something magnificent. So now next to John 11, where are, um, yeah, John 11, where it's the story of Lazarus. I have written down next to it, um, autumn leaves falling from trees, a party in death. Maybe it's not the best way to say it, but it's what I have now. And every time I see leaves falling, I'm like, man, that is gorgeous. God knows what he's doing. God, God sees the end from the beginning, and he's going to make everything turn into beautiful and perfect harmony in the end. I go back to that Steps to Christ quote. And that's what's so incredible to me is everything starts connecting. <laughs> like I'll be discouraged about something, and that will connect me back to that verse, which will just take me on this journey back through all the experiences where God has led me. <laughs> like I'll just start reading all the experiences once again. I'll be flipping to this verse and flipping to that verse and flipping, and that's why I'm saying I'm flipping. It's not that I'm an excellent Bible scholar. I am not. <laughs> but um, I'd love to be so much more well-versed in my Bible. But I, I'm just flipping through the experiences that God has led me through over and over. And it's like, oh, yeah, this takes me deeper, and this one takes me deeper, and this, the trust with him keeps building, because just like in our lives, our trust builds based on experiences, right, with our spouse or with our family, with our parents. Our trust builds based on the experiences that they've proven their love to us, right? Well, God doesn't expect any less of us. He wants to prove his love to you. He wants to prove that you have something to trust in him, but we have to be looking at them and recording these experiences, or they're just going to go in one ear and out the other, you know, and so... One of my, definitely one of my favorites. And the last one that I'll share with you is flowers. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians. Um, and this one, once again, um, is definitely not just because I looked up the word flowers. Um, <laughs> I was reading 2 Corinthians for my devotion. I absolutely love 2 Corinthians. Um, I'm not trying to brag, but there's like an example. That's how I, that's how I do it. I use Bible marking pens. Um, you can get them off of Amazon. And they come in all sorts of colors. I like colors because I'm a colorful person, but you can just use black. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't read. <laughs> Anyways, these are them. They're micron pens. Um, and they're really cool. And I carry them everywhere I go, which makes my bag really heavy. But I just love them. And I might want to record a Bible promise. Or maybe the pastor says something, and that reminds me of an experience of something else. So I just want to write down that experience, even though the pastor's not even talking about that. And I so believe that, that you might say something as a speaker. Like right now, I'm saying something to you as a speaker, but the Lord might be telling you something in a very different way than what I'm saying, because the Lord knows what you need. And when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's the one communing with you, which is so incredible. So these are the pens I use to write. And then I always have a little card in my Bible, like, you know, like one of those price tags off of like an outfit. I always have those that tucked in my Bible. So then I have a straight line to underline the things in my Bible. And that thing's really thin. So I just use like one of those price tag cards. And that's what I stick in my Bible. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I use. All right. So I was reading 2 Corinthians and it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not. So as many peddling the word of God but as a sincerity but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. And as a girl's dean, I can tell you right now that I definitely feel like I'm the aroma of life and I feel like I'm the aroma of death. Because <laughs> sometimes they love me and sometimes they don't love me. You know, no one wants to be told what to do. And teenagers, bless their hearts, definitely don't want to be told what to do. 
And so I, I just found that super encouraging that morning when I read that. I said, you know, um, I can be the fragrance of Christ. I can be the aroma of life to somebody. And if I am the aroma of death, if I am not something that somebody loves at that moment, that's not because they're rejecting me, you know. And that's Christ. And he's going to, when I get really discouraged, like, oh, my girls aren't going to choose Jesus. No, please, Lord, I really want my girls to choose Jesus. I'm like, Christ is the one who is going to teach them how to. I'm just going to allow Christ to live in me, and I can be the fragrance that he wants me to be if I let him live in me. And so I just found that so encouraging. And, um, it, and I just wrote next to it, each believer and each church should be a letter from Christ to the world. Like we are literally a, a letter to be read. And it, it keeps going that in Christ's epistle. I just love 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, 3, and 4, like some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And um, so I was going through my days and that weekend, I went to a little camp, and I went down to have my little Bible study next to a river, and there was flowers all over. And I was like, oh, flowers. I wonder what I can learn about flowers. And then I said, oh, do you know that verse where I can be a fragrance? Like, so now every time I see a flower, I'm like, I can be a fragrance if I let Christ live in me. I can literally be, you know, everyone loves flowers. Even boys love flowers. And they're like, oh, that's so beautiful. And, you know, maybe they don't all like to smell them, but we all love the beauty of flowers, right? And I can be that to the world. I can be a letter to the world. I can be a fragrance to the world. And just like people, when they're around flowers, they like breathe a sigh of relief or they get excited about flowers. I can offer that to people through Christ. Like, that is incredible. I can be a fragrance. I just think that is so, so awesome. All right. So those are just a couple of my examples. Hopefully that was helpful to you. Um, another thing that you can do is literally um, is just pick a process in nature. So the life cycle of a, of a dragonfly example. Um, I haven't really quite figured out what I, what I can draw out of a dragonfly. But something interesting about a dragonfly is that it goes through three stages. And um, the egg is planted somewhat beneath the surface of the water. It depends on the dragonfly. There's many different, um, different dragonflies out there, so we're just going to put a broad one really quick. But it's like about under the water that it plants its eggs or lays its eggs. And then um, they're there for, um, I'm trying to remember how long, but then they turn into the next stage, and they're in that stage for anywhere from two years to five years. And then the dragonfly, when it becomes an adult, you know how long he's alive for? One to two weeks, maybe max five to six weeks. Interesting, right? So I don't know yet. It's something that I recently was reading about. I haven't quite decided what that can show me about God. But if anything, at this moment, all it says to me is when I see a dragonfly, I'm like, oh, pesky thing. He's only around for one or two weeks. I got the privilege of seeing him. That's pretty cool, you know? He, and he was like an ugly thing for two to five years, you know? And I didn't care about him when I saw him then, definitely. But as an adult, like, I was one of the privileged ones to see the famous dragonfly for only one to two weeks, you know? And I got to see him, and he landed on me. That's pretty cool, you know? So I don't know. If anything, it just gets me back to that sense of wonder, you know, that, that childlike joy, we supposed, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, we'd have childlike faith. And if I kind of wrestle with what that means, but to me, nature gives me that childlike faith because it's really hard in nature not to be like, whoa, that's really cool. You know, the flowers are cool. All of us are adults. When we see something gorgeous in nature, we're like, wow, that maybe some of us are more saying that's phenomenal. But, you know, we all pretty much think that's really cool, right? You know, maybe all of us have different expressions of joy. But we all can have that sense of wonder. And I think if you lose your sense of wonder, you're missing a big component with your walk with God. Because it's, it's, it's that constant, I'm created, 
He's the creator. It's that constant, we need that. We just need that. And I honestly don't think you can get it anywhere else but in nature to be constantly reminded, I'm created, he's creator. Um, so um, another example is the jack pine tree. And I know <laughs> you've heard this lots of times <laughs> if you've come to Camp Basabo, but a jack pine, it, maybe you guys know this too, but a jack pine um, is a tree that we have here in Michigan that has cones. And in order for those cones to germinate, in order for it to become another tree, a baby tree, um, what has to happen? Does anyone, well, I know you guys know. Extreme heat, which would mean like a fire, right? In order for that cone to burst open and be able to germinate and grow a new tree, it needs fire. And, um, you know, often in life, we have fires that are painful and they leave scars. You know, I was on a, I was on a, um, on a trip in the Boundary Waters for my master's in Minnesota, and we, we got into the waters, and where we got into the waters, it was only burnt. It was, there had been a huge forest fire in that area, the Boundary Waters, and so we were paddling through that area, and then we get to the, to the area that wasn't burnt. And we're paddling along, and my, one of my teachers is like, I do not understand why people think that burnt is so ugly. Don't they know that that's a natural part of the forest, and that we have to have fires, or it doesn't work, and this is just what the ecosystem needs, and I'm sitting there in the middle being like, it's ugly. I think it's ugly. <laughs> I think it's very ugly. I think it's sad and depressing and I hate forest fires. Like, no, I don't think this is beautiful. Like, no, I hate that it's a necessary part. Like, this is sin. This is not beautiful. Like, and we're paddling along. And um, the, the trip ended up being kind of rough. Uh, there was just this little drama with people and all this stuff. And I got in, like, in trouble. And that was ridiculous. And it was really emotional and blah, blah, blah. The kids didn't, not the kids, but my fellow people, age group, didn't like me. And it was ridiculous. Anyways, and it ended up being like a really rough experience in a lot of ways. And I was like, wow, am I like a teenager again? Like feeling left out? Like how is this happening again? And um, anyways, it was, it was kind of a fire experience. I was super excited to go to the Boundary Waters. It was an amazing place to be. But the people I was with, I could have traded them up in a minute. <laughs> but this is the thing. That experience taught me, because it was a leadership class, and they didn't like my leadership style. And that was what was getting attacked. And through that experience, I learned to be much more retrospective about my leadership style. And there were some things that I could improve on and change. And I'm very thankful for that experience because it helped me to grow as a person. Did that fire hurt? Well, you better believe it. I mean, I was out on the boundary waters completely alone with everybody hating me. It was awful. And um, it was a terrible, painful fire. But would I trade that new growth for anything? No. And that is the thing. Um, my best friend passed away when I, was, when I was 18 from cancer. And that was the, the most devastating thing in my entire life. And, and recovering from that and still recovering from that, it's taken tons of time. Now, would I want to lose my best friend? Absolutely not. But that new growth, would I trade that for the world? The person that I am because I lost my best friend at such a young age is very much different than what I would have been if I hadn't gone through that traumatic experience as a teenager, right? That new growth is, is unchangeable, and that is what is so beautiful, not the fire. And just as like the jack pine or the forest fires, in order for there to be a new growth, there has to be a forest fire in order to start that first succession of the forest. There just has to be. And in our lives and the world that we live in, there has to be that fire to get that new growth. And without that new growth, we'd, life would just not be that, we would not be proud of who we are without that new growth. The Lord needs to have put us through those fires to get the new growth. It's often through the fires that we see Jesus working, not without the fires. And... Um, that instantly brings you to the story of, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? 
The only time that they saw the Son of God was when they were in the fire. And maybe for our own lives, the only time we're going to see the Son of God working in our lives is through the fire. Um, another thing, really side quick note, a little note about creation that's really awesome and cool. You know, the Lord, everything is so organized, and I'm scratching the surface of how many lessons can be brought out of nature. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a botanist. So, you know, you talk to somebody who is, and they can pull out crazy awesome things. I'm just, touch, I'm just touching things with my emotions. But, you know, other scientists, wow, the things they can bring out about God are incredible. Um, <laughs> mine are like childlike faith compared to their amazing analogies. But one thing that's really cool is the fact that creation and the order that it was, that it was designed, um, what day were plants made? Third day. Okay. Um, scientists have found that plants can survive two days without animals because, you know, that's the carbon, carbon dioxide and oxygen trade-off, right? We need each other. They need our bad breath. They need our, <laughs> we need their bad breath, right? <laughs> to get good breath, we need their bad breath. And so um, exactly two days. When were animals created? Day six. Like everything in science like fits. It does fit. And if you become a great scientist with your students or with your children or yourself, you're going to see that God is just written all over in nature. And you're going to find Romans 1.20 to ring over true and true and true and true as you study and as you study. So I was going to see. Yep, I have 10 minutes to give you time to try it yourself a little bit. Um, but before I have you try it yourself, because I don't want to end on that note. I mean, I want to end on that note. I want to just give you a couple of things, some resources to look up. Um, the first one is Sally Stride. She is an Adventist woman, and um, as a kid, um, she, as a kid, she came to our school and she did a little seminar. And um, so you should ask her to come to your school. And I still have Christy. Do you have yours? The little container with the she cells in it. Do you remember her? Yeah. So she came, um, and those are my cousins, by the way. <laughs> uh, she came with a container. And we each got a shell, and every day she taught us something, and we got a little shell to go along with it. And so if you haven't, um, Sally Stribe, I found her on Facebook. I just friend requested I'm going to write her a message and tell her, hey, I promote your books, and maybe we can get a working relationship somehow going. Um, maybe she can send me her other ones for free, you know. <laughs> I'll display them on my counter for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so Sally Stribe, I, uh, I grew up reading Treasures by the Sea, and I, and I copied and pasted the whole thing about it because I think that if you can see what it's about, you would long to have this in your library, for sure. When you see what the answers are to the questions, and I don't care what age you are, I think you would love this book. No matter what age you are, no matter if you're an adult or have children that you're working with, Treasures by the Sea is so awesome. So take a moment to read that. What it does, it also comes with a workbook um, that's really cool. And the workbook teaches you about those things as well. There's 27 different um, Bible truths that it goes over. All right? So it's a pretty, pretty awesome book. Um, there's a, a, a two, a volume two that I just found called Summer of the Sharks. I've never read it. I don't know a lot about it, but I love Treasures by the Sea, so I really want to get Summer of the Sharks. She calls it volume two, just Treasures by the Sea. Another one that has come out is Octopus Encounter. Um, it sounds like it's about finding your purpose because, you know, it's about twins. And the boy has seems like he has found his purpose, but the girl hasn't quite found her purpose. And honestly, in life, that's what it's about is our purpose. We know we're supposed to serve God. The big question why we get stumped and we, and we leave is because we don't know how, right? It's the how that we get, we get bogged down in and confused and stressed about is the how. So I think Octopus Encounter is, looks really cool. Intruder is something that just said it's going to come out. It hasn't come out yet. But it's another one that she's writing. 
Triton's Treasures is Steps to Christ for Children. I really want that one. Um, and then I, I mentioned to you The Heartmender. If you're a woman, that's a must, must read. I love it. Um, she actually went through a divorce, and she talks about that. And, you know, maybe I don't have that, but it's amazing how we all have broken hearts. Maybe you think that, you know, you're pretty good, but this book, it was like, wow, it really spoke to my heart. And I didn't feel like I had gone through anything huge and tragic like she had gone through, but the Heartmender really touched me. And then there's this another new one. It's called The Nature Notebook for Kids with 10 Nature Activities. And I included a little blip about that because that looks so cool to get. I'm not a kid, but I think I want that Nature Notebook for Kids. So <laughs> check out those. Um, I, they, they, they do um, more in depth what I'm trying to do because she actually understands the process of like, you know, the pearl, you know, we all know about that one. Like it's quite a process to get a pearl. Like she's talking about that, like more like the processes of nature and the processes of, of the cycles of life. And she draws spiritual, strong, incredible spiritual applications out. I'm more just connecting, but she's like really like, wow, applying and drawing out. Um, all right. So I think that's it. Oh, I had a couple more things. So this is a book written by an Adventist too. He shall be like a tree. It's a whole book just about um, lessons from trees, all the way from root to leaves. It's just completely all about trees. Um, it's pretty cool. So there's that one. That's a pretty cool resource. These are so my favorite. These I found last year up in the used book section. They're all the birds ever mentioned in the Bible. All the birds ever mentioned in the Bible. I mean, there's some really, like, rat birds, really? The, the moth silkworm is mentioned in the Bible. And then it tells you the verse um, and Roman, or Revelation 18, 12. And like, it's just, it's really cool. So here's all the birds ever found in the Bible. Here's all the mammals ever found in the Bible. And here's all the plants ever found in the Bible. They're, they're the coolest things ever. Um, just simply, if nothing else, to show your kids like, whoa, I didn't know that animal was talked about in the Bible. So what I do with my teens um, is I give them, I put them into groups and I, I give them each a book. And they have to pick something. <laughs> they then have to act that something that they picked, because uh, my teens love to do gestures. So they have to act. The other groups have to guess what they're acting. And then on your mark, get set, go. You have to find where it is in the Bible. So then it's like a Bible race to find where is that? Where is the, it talked about? You know, a horse in the Bible. Everyone knows that revelation quickly. You know, but there's some other ones in here that they have. What? How am I supposed to find that in the Bible? It's like you can't use your concordance. Good luck. <laughs> and we have little races to see who can find it first in their Bible. So it's just a really cool way to get them in their Bibles. And to realize, like, once again, back to the beginning, like I said, there's treasures there that I never even realized. Um, so I absolutely love those. These are just kids' books. So if you have kids, they're just, um, I would say they're definitely kids. For me, they're not as cool because I'm, I, they are cool, but um, I definitely think the kids would love them because the pictures and the, the facts are more like kid level for sure. Um, so there's Kids Guide to Bible Animals and Kids Guide to God's Creation. So just really cool resources to have if you have kids in your in your library. Um, these are the gospel. So this is taking um, tons of lessons. This is the gospel according to a blade of grass. This is the gospel according to a dandelion and the gospel according to a snowflake. Now I have read them and I think sometimes <laughs> we stretch things <laughs> to make things apply that maybe aren't really there. And I, I, I don't think that's wrong. I just think that that's where you just have to, honestly, this is the Holy Spirit. This isn't you making awesome connections. So spend that time in prayer and let the Lord direct you. And if it stretches, just take it out. You know, like maybe my whole wave thing was like, where are you, Angela? But the whole wave thing makes sense to me. And that's what I need. You know, and I think that the Lord is definitely an individual talker. But one of the most powerful things I was taught by a, a good mentor friend of mine was that God isn't going to talk to you the same way he's going to talk to me. 
like, I know this sounds weird, but whenever it rains, I just feel like God really loves me. I don't know. I just really love rain. And one time I was jogging and I was super upset about something and I was jogging. And I was like, Lord, you just don't even care about me. And it started raining. And I was like, okay, you love me. And like, you know, I was telling my, my mentor that, and he was like, yep, that's not what I would be thinking if it was raining on me. So like, you know, like God talks to us because he knows our hearts and we have different passions in life. We have different things we enjoy. So why wouldn't he talk to us in different ways? You know? Um, so I know I'm running. Oh, one more thing. There's these books called character sketches and I was going to borrow somebody's to bring them. I left them in Tennessee, but there's these huge volumes. They're brown. They're old. Um, they're called character sketches. There's three volumes and they take character attributes like endurance, flexibility, patience, kindness, and they take an animal. They tell you all about that animal, like, oh, pages and pages about that animal, all sorts of cool things about the animal. And then they apply a Bible story. And um, a couple of teens and I would just sit in one Sabbath afternoon in my house, and we were going through them together. And they were reading them, like, uh, Miss Angela, that's kind of a stretch. That's kind of a stretch. So the character stretches, I would say they kind of, like, I wouldn't say they're the best thing to ever own in your life, but I think it helps you get on, on a track of learning to look at nature using um, the Bible. And so I'm not saying it's a must-go-have. I'm not saying you wouldn't enjoy them. It definitely teaches you really cool things about animals, but maybe don't make the same correlation you do, they made, if that makes sense. Like, we would study the squirrel together, and then we'd draw our own things out of it. And then we'd connect it with our own way. But I didn't necessarily think the squirrel taught me endurance in the way that they were thinking it taught endurance. Like, I was like, actually, I think the squirrel teaches this or that. Did you have something you want to add to it? It started when I was so excited the Bible story weren't right. I was very disappointed. Oh, the Bible story in itself isn't right. I didn't know that. I was very excited and very disappointed. <laughs> the Bible story itself is, is written up wrong? Yeah, there's stretches in the Bible story itself. Oh. They're not Okay, well, then maybe we should just not get character sketches. I don't know. Pray about it. <laughs> Let God, because I still love them. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't get rid of mine. I love them. But I. I mean, have them too. And that is true to some extent, but the value that you get from the actual where it connects to the nature and, um, and, and the Bible story itself. It's, my kids are young enough, I would never read it out loud anyways. Mm-hmm. It would be one of those, I read it and then retell it. Mm-hmm. It's a biblical. But sometimes it's hard for me to just make the connection, so that did that for me. And there's so much about animals. Yeah. There's so much truth about the animals. There, and there's so much in those books. Like, I love them. I adore them. And I spend Sabbath afternoons pouring through them and making my own analogies. Because, I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend Sabbath afternoon on my computer going through Google. I just don't. And I just love the fact that I hold a book in my hands and I get to go through a book. And I think that's just so amazing. Um, so make your own thing. Okay, our time is up. But there's just one more thing at the very end. Um, discovering our relationship to the natural world. And this is a little activity that you can try um, at some point to maybe begin how to do this. And what you do is you go to an outdoor setting. You have um, a piece of paper and you write four columns. And on the top of those four columns, you can write something in nature, things we have in common, how it helps me, and what it teaches about God. Okay, so something very simple, like a tree. That's the thing in nature, what we have in common. Well, we both have outer layers to protect us, right? We have skin, trees have bark. And then um, what, how it helps me? Well, the tree gives me oxygen, right? And then the, the verse that I put, how it teaches me about God, I absolutely love this verse. Isaiah 55, 12, For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So um, just try to take some time, make four columns, pick something in nature 
how you're kind of like that thing in nature and um, what you, how it helps you and what it teaches you about God. So you can try that as a simple way to get started. And I promise you, when you begin this journey, it's just, <laughs> I'm telling you, it just changes your life. It just changes your life um, because it truly unlocks the treasures of his word. Just like that promise in Ellen White that we started with, um, that I'll just end it with that. And it says, it is thus that nature becomes a key to the treasure house of his word. And it's a treasure. This is absolutely a treasure. Me, I've started writing everything in this Bible, another Bible, because if I lost this Bible, I would just be absolutely devastated because my life's in this Bible. I finally understand when people say, what's the first thing you'd rescue out of, the, out of a burning building? My Bible. Because I'm not going to remember all of this stuff without like, it all written down. I'm just not going to remember all those experiences. Um, let's pray, and then you guys can go. Dear Lord, I thank you oh, so much for your incredible love for us. I thank you that you have a promise in your Bible that says you do not want to be a secret. And that that is Satan's biggest lie to us, that you are just too hard to understand. And, and yes, praise the Lord that we cannot understand everything about you, but praise the Lord that you want to teach us to grow and understand you over a process. And I thank you for that process, even though sometimes it feels like a fire and it hurts. But I thank you so much for the new growth. And I thank you for the promises that we um, have to claim. Lord, we believe the promise. You supply the fact. We love you and we surrender our lives to you. In your name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.